0: Moon podcast. If you are a NICU parent, past, present or future, this podcast is here to support you through it all. We'll talk about common things that NICU parents have been through with the hope of normalising how you're feeling. We're a couple of past NICU mums who've got together to support other parents through their NICU journeys. Each week we'll be talking about topics all parents go through because we've been through it too and we don't want you to feel alone in it.
1: today we have got Tori with us so Tori is mum to Phoenix so Phoenix was born at 25 weeks exactly um, and she spent 80 days in the NICU Um, Tori's gonna talk to us about um, her experience of being in the NICU um, and maybe a little bit about um, some of the things that she found difficult and some of the things that helped her um, and some advice that she's got to NICU mums as well so Hello, Tori. Hi. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) It's um, lovely to have you. We've um, obviously all been chatting quite a lot in the DMs. So it's lovely to have you actually here and see you in real life.
2: Kind of meet you, but not really.
1: (laughs) Yeah, completely. And maybe we'll stop giggling and actually um, (laughs) talk about what we're supposed to. So that would be nice.
2: (laughs) So I had. An okay pregnancy. I was very sick. I had morning sickness, but everyone, or most people do.
1: Mm. I had
2: a low placenta, so I'd been bleeding for a little while. I'd been Mm. in and out of hospital. Um, And then at 24 weeks, just randomly, I just felt something wasn't right. And so I thought, I'll pop up to my local hospital. I'd been up there anyway, and I'll just get it checked out. Now I have got health anxiety. So Mm. I genuinely thought, this is my health anxiety. But I'll get it checked out because it's the baby. So I even told my husband, don't, don't come with me. He'd been at every appointment, but I was like, don't come with me. They're literally going to just say, it's all fine. Mm. They swabbed and said, yep, there's amniotic fluid. Um, your waters have broken and we need to transfer you to the nearest level three, oh, which okay. ended up being in Kent. So like an hour and a half away from where I live. Wow. Um, and then, yeah, she come a week later. So do you know why that happened? no no I oh. don't have an idea they, they didn't find infection or anything like that my yeah. cervix looked okay so no Got how's that not knowing um it is scary because it changes kind of everything going forward um mm-hmm. before we was like three kids and blah, blah blah i think having a premature baby anyway raises questions and makes you rethink that but the fact that i don't know and therefore it could happen again it could not i just think the anxiety would be a lot um, yeah but I still still
1: Yeah.
2: Were you anxious in pregnancy anyway? Yes to a certain degree but not as anxious as I thought I was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said about my health anxiety, I had a bad couple of years of health anxiety and I'd also lost a couple of babies Um. so I thought I'd be really anxious but all of a sudden I wasn't and I felt relaxed and I felt not lonely, which is a really weird thing. Oh. Not that I'm a lonely person, but I remember really feeling like this some like as soon as I started feeling kicks and stuff, it was just a lovely feeling and it kind of got rid of some of that anxiety. Mm. And then I gave birth to her at twenty five weeks. Mm. And then the anxiety came back.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, big self. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: I know, like Georgie was talking about that um on the couple of weeks ago on the podcast about that anxiety coming back big time. Yeah. As well.
2: Yeah it really hit me hard as well. I'm sure it does anybody that goes through what we've all been through, Mm. but it was just, it's crazy. Yeah. I I still, it's still there a lot kind of bubbling around. And, Mm.
0: um, has your health anxiety moved to Phoenix or is it, is it no.
2: no and I'm so shocked that it hasn't because I fully expected that I was fully prepared for that um by a therapist that I spoke to and they said like it, it is it does happen quite often my health anxiety is not great for myself at the moment um I think having a premature baby and then COVID as well has really kind of thrown that into the mix but no touch wood it hasn't transferred onto Phoenix more than just normal mum worries and yeah. checking her I mean like checking for a rash every now and again and stuff like that yeah
1: which I think is normal (laughs) yeah Yeah, so when you talk about like it being transferred onto her you mean that you're then worried about her health is that yeah
2: yeah yeah that's what I really did expect yeah I'm hoping it won't happen no no yeah because
0: I part I have OCD but health anxiety as well and um I mean, I've been for full-body ultrasounds before. <laughs> I don't know if you have. <laughs> I've been
2: for MRIs
0: up London. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah, no, it hasn't happened for me either, and I'm surprised at that. But I was
2: terrible in pregnancy, really bad. Yeah. With, ha- with health anxiety.
0: Health anxiety and just anxiety around the pregnancy in general.
2: Yeah, it is so hard, especially, like, where you've lost before as well, like we have as yeah. well. So that's just always in your mind. Like, it's impossible for it not to be. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but every time you go to the toilet, you was expecting to be blood. And yeah. um, you just, it's, it's just, I never, I never believed I'd get a baby at the end of it. I don't think for a long, long, long time. Yeah. yeah, I was exactly the same. I used to only wear
0: white knickers just so that I could see if there was blood there. Cause I was just, ex- yeah. I was just basically waiting for there to be blood basically. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. I think that's just part and parcel of um, pregnancy after
1: loss, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Unfortunately when you had phoenix did you go in you went into labor
2: yes yeah. yeah so connor had gone home um to essex so an hour and a half away to get some washing and bits and bobs and my mum and dad had come up to kent mm-hmm. um to see me so i was literally on bed rest um okay. i'd had my two lots of steroids um and antibiotics just in case there was infection or anything um and then yeah just started having pains um and they come and checked me and they said, no, nope, your service is closed. Like you're fine. You're just, it's just aches and pains. Um, mm. so it kept getting worse. Um, it wasn't awful. And so I didn't think I was in labor mm. and they like, I was having regular paracetamol and stuff like that. And then at one point I said, I need something a bit stronger. I'm like this is getting quite bad now. They're getting closer together. Mm. I think And my mum kept saying, I think you're in labor. I think you're in labor. Mm.
1: Um,
2: but the nurses, they kept, like the doctors kept coming in and checking me and nothing had happened. Like I, my cervix was closed. And then they checked me one last time. And then I went to the toilet with my mum and I was like, this baby's coming. And went back in the room. And then I felt and I could feel that there was something there.
1: Hmm.
2: And um, then the, they literally pressed the red button and we I got rushed to maternity and then there was like 30 people in the room. And she came like six minutes later. It was a really wow. fast delivery.
1: Whoa, goodness me.
2: Yeah, so they wanted to do a C-section, but there wasn't any time. Um, I didn't get sulfate, which they were hoping they'd get into me, which they didn't. Um, yeah, so they couldn't even find, you know, when they're trying to get the Doppler on her, they couldn't even get it. She was too low at that point. Six minutes, that's... Yeah, that was my active labour, six
1: minutes. Wow, that's so, so fast, isn't it?
2: Yeah. And then when, um, just as like her head was coming out, the lady that did me was amazing. She'd had premature babies. So she was like saying, she went to me and look at me. Don't look at anyone else. She said, I've had a 24 weeker. I've had a 27 weeker and a 29 weeker. They're all perfect. This baby's going to be fine. And I remember there were so many people in the room, but I just remember staring at her. I did exactly oh, that what gives she me shivers. me. Mm. Yeah. She was like the perfect person to have there. Yeah. And, um, she said, right, the head is coming. So you've got to do this as slow as you possibly can. And I remember just, with everything I could like the head as well I wanted to get out as quick as possible but you don't you do exactly what they tell you so she was amazing Mm. Um, but yeah six minutes but I did I got a cuddle which I know not a lot of people get so that's
1: incredible
2: yes it was lovely but it was also I was just in shock so I don't particularly remember it or but my mom took a picture so that was nice oh that's really lovely and how big was she so she was 670 grams, so one and a half pound. Wow. Gosh. Yeah, and to cuddle
1: good. a one and a half pound baby as well. In a plastic bag. In a plastic bag. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And having to get your head around the fact that you've just gone into labour in six minutes as well, that much. Yeah.
2: Be. And I assume Connor wasn't there. Yeah, no, kind of got back. I kind of got did? back within, yeah, 20 minutes before I gave birth he got Wow! Back. And like, we hadn't told him either that we think thought I was in labour because I didn't want him to rush, Yeah, end up in an accident or something like that. So mm. he got me strolling back again and I was like, I
0: think I'm having a baby right now. <laughs> he was like, okay.
2: Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, so he was there and my mum was in the room as well, which is what I wanted.
1: And so you mentioned about going to another hospital. Did that happen immediately or?
2: Yeah, so as soon as they told me that my Um, waters are broken they then had to ring round all the hospitals to see who had a bed for me and a bed for the baby, if if they come um so I should have been at a different hospital I should never have been in Kent but that was the nearest one that had a bed at that time um the nearest level three this is um so yeah so I got blue lighted up there um and then was there for a week before I actually gave birth right okay and then When, when was she born and when what was her due date so she was born on the 25th of January this year and she should have been born on the 9th of May this year. Wow
1: and then so you were in during (laughs) lockdown weren't you?
2: Yeah so we was in Kent um, for seven weeks so coronavirus wasn't really it was around it was in the papers and that and it was on the cruise ship and all that kind of thing but we kept saying to the doctors about it and they were like no it's all fine like it's, it's not going to come here or just keep washing your hands, they kept saying. And I'm sure that was probably to just placate us because they probably knew what was happening. But then we got back to South End, to so my local hospital um, and we was like, right, finally, like I can sleep in my own bed. I can go to my mum's house. I can, because I'd been seeing my family because they'd come up and down to see us a lot. It's not the same as just popping to have a cup of tea and after the hospital. And then a week later, that was when lockdown happened. So they visited us twice at South End, but then after that, I then didn't see them either. Um, my sister's quite vulnerable as well. She's got arthritis, she's on immunosuppressants. Mm. Um, so I was worried not only to bring it into the hospital to Phoenix, but also to bring it out of the hospital to my sister.
1: So
2: mm. yeah. Um, yeah, that was so tough because I was just terrified that I was gonna get it, give it to Phoenix. Um, and then I also couldn't go and just cry to my mom and sister when all the things were happening. Yeah. Um. Really because hard. I was going up, it was horrible. Because I was going up there, and Connor was here. Because they stopped visiting at the same time, and then we'd swap. So we never saw each other either So I was just coming home, sitting on my own in an empty house oh, without your baby. Horrible. Yeah. 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 No husband. one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that was really, difficult.
2: really hard. Yeah. So she was in. Um. In total, she was in for eighty days. Um. So to begin with after i gave birth they said to me right we need you to go to the toilet and you've got to have something to eat and then you can go see her and then i waited like an hour for someone to make me some toast oh. and i was like oh is anyone gonna get me into toast please please um and then the, yeah they wheeled me around and i remember we'd had a tour of Niku the morning of before i gave birth and i remember being wheeled around thinking I'm not having my baby like it just didn't feel real I'd never ever thought that I would have my baby and it would be there because they kept saying to me we'll get you to 32 weeks um and then hopefully baby would be a lot stronger like the lungs are a lot stronger you'll be home by then you'll you'll be back in Southend um yeah so I definitely didn't think and then so I remember being wheeled in after I gave birth and there was this lovely lovely nurse who was holding a knitted boob um, sh- trying to show me how to express she was saying you've got to do it as soon as possible and I remember just blankly staring at her mm. and thinking I don't have a clue what's going on I remember looking at Phoenix and just thinking like I, I actually remember thinking I don't think she's going to survive because she's so tiny Like, mm-hmm. how is something that tiny going to survive mm. And I, I was only in there for about an hour it was quite late and I said to Connor I've got to go back I just felt overwhelmed, dizzy um, and I didn't stay in there and i feel bad about that do you know what i mean like that yeah. your baby needs you but i just couldn't deal with it in that moment i needed to go and sleep yeah i did exactly the same thing
0: you know we yeah. went up at like she was born at like two fifty eight, and i went up for the first time about half 10 at night and um i think i was in there for about 20 minutes and then i just couldn't cope i needed to leave mm. yeah i think it was, it's just, i think it's quite a normal reaction to be honest it's just overwhelming, it's, it's overwhelming yeah
1: thinking, and yeah. Even that bit of like being wheeled in and being like, Okay, so which one is my baby? Yeah. And like not knowing straight away. Yeah. you know what I mean? It's just so strange. And
2: actually in the first episode you spoke about the wheelchair and not quite being high enough. Mm. And I remember that just it just felt so alien mm. that you couldn't even I couldn't stand up, I couldn't do anything for my tiny little baby that kind of mm. didn't feel like my baby at that moment. I was just about to say I didn't even feel like she was my baby. No. and that took a while for me it wasn't yeah. like the next day I felt like you just go into autopilot but it took a while yeah, yeah. Um,
1: so what do you think so at what point did you start to feel differently in that way what time did you start to feel like this is my baby I'm more of a mum I guess
2: I didn't feel like a mum for a while yeah so I did feel like she was my baby but I think it's different isn't it when you've got nurses doing a lot of cares Mm. um she originally she wasn't ventilated she was on high flow for five days and then she got poorly so she went on cpap and then she was ventilated so when she was ventilated i just i didn't even want to touch her because i remember someone telling me that it can really damage like that if you move them in a wrong way so i was just like no do you know what i don't want to touch her yeah. i don't want to change her nappy and the nurses kept saying to me no you've got to like you've got to get involved like it's really good for you it's good for bonding But I was just terrified at that point. Mm. Um, So I would say that it probably took me three weeks to feel like it was my baby and not be kind of on autopilot, to kind of sit down and think, right, this is my child. I need to step up. Connor was terrified of doing Mm. anything. I think, I don't know if it's the same, but for a man, it just felt like he was even bigger than me and his hands are bigger. So she's smaller to him. So he didn't want to change a nappy or anything like that. Um, so there was a point where he was like I don't want to do anything and I felt like I had to step up and like show him that no we can do it and I think maybe that was the turning point for me yeah um but yeah it's just it's just hard isn't it yeah how long was she ventilated for um all in all she was ventilated for 20 days but that was two different occasions so both times she got poorly um she got infections I needed that extra help um but they did wean her off like she never went back on after being weaned she just got poorly on two separate occasions Mm. but that was horrible she hated the tube she used to fight against it and you could see that she hated it and I think that is one of the worst things for me
1: Mm. Um,
2: the thought of her getting poorly again and needing ventilation is massive I think about that a lot
1: yeah yeah because you saw how much she
2: hated it yeah yeah and I think her being bigger as well and knowing more I just think it'd be atrocious yeah
1: yeah so does that impact you now with stuff like covid and you know everything like that that's going on yeah
2: yeah definitely I'd never really even thought about ventilation before anything like that I've never had an operation where I've needed it Mm -hmm. um but I remember them saying to me and they're one of the nurses saying it's better for babies than it is adults like adults um ventilation is horrible and when they put it down is horrible mm. and then all of a sudden covid was around and it was all about ventilators so i think it's almost like flooded my brain with images yeah. of it yeah so it's like a, a bit of a sore one for me mm. yeah fair enough and
1: you talked about her having different um problems while she was in there as well i don't know if you want to talk about that
2: yeah no definitely well she was born um with a pda and um, so an open duct in her heart Okay. um so it was a large pda to begin with um and so that it's quite complicated and i don't fully understand it which sounds awful but mm-hmm. something to do with how the blood moves um so it makes it harder for her to breathe and um, because it sends it the wrong way through the lungs something like that yeah. so they sometimes close on their own um but hers didn't and it was affecting her weaning off of the oxygen um so they gave her ibuprofen so she had two doses and Last time we went to hospital to have it checked, it was tiny. So we're hoping it may have closed now. It should be good. Um, She had brain bleeds, So she had a grade two on one side and a grade three on the other. Um, They've told us that there's, I think it's a 70% chance of developmental or neurological problems there. Um, But again, we won't know anything. They kind of say that the baby will tell you everything, what they're doing, if they're missing milestones or anything like that. And mm. um, she's had a scan and she's got an MRI coming up just to see if there is any damage of the matter. Um, but again, that still doesn't tell you everything. It's kind of a wait and see thing. OK. Um, and how how is that then? Oh, I've had ups and downs of that, if I'm honest. Mm. Um, so part of me, this is where I think we, we spoke about it earlier, but Instagram is good and bad mm. because <clears throat> I've got so much information from Instagram and I do... Little exercises with her every day from Instagram and I've met amazing people but I also compare her to babies yeah and I think maybe everybody does but when there's other babies that have come out of hospital at similar times to her so I literally know when I see them rolling I think i think it should be rolling now yeah and per, put aside her brain bleeds and just her prematurity like they do say that they take longer and you can you give them so much longer but it is hard and mm. I feel guilty about that because she's doing so well mm. but at the same time like you just want them to be everything they can be don't you And the best for them yeah so yeah it's tough but I have got better recently I went through a little patch where it was quite bad um where I worried a lot and then now I've definitely got better and I just feel grateful that she's here and mm. happy which she is she's a very happy baby so mm. I haven't lucky okay. yeah she's incredible yeah, so the other thing, so she had a couple of um, infections. Um, one, they suspected neck, um, which was one of the worst days. Um, and the other time, they actually suspected meningitis because her um, CRP levels were really, really high.
1: Mm. And they did a lumbar
2: puncture, which was oh. horrific. Yeah, it, I wasn't in the room. They wouldn't let me be in the room. But I remember them telling me that they were going to do that. It was actually mm. one of the lovely nurses who was one of my friends. Now I speak to her all the time. And she said to me, um, she, like, warned me before ward round. She said to me, her infection levels have gone up again. She said, I think they're going to do a lumbar puncture. And I was in absolute bits. I was on my own at that point, actually. Connor was back at the flat. And uh, I was just in absolute bits. And, yeah, they do say that a lumbar puncture is not as bad for a baby, a tiny mm-hmm. baby. But, yeah. I mean, I don't know how they know that. Do you know what I mean? I know, I yeah. It doesn't make me feel any better because I just think, she can't tell you that.
1: No, no, I know, and that's—it's just so hard, isn't it? That having those big things done, like even you know something tiny, like like a little cannula or something like that. Yeah, or know.
0: the or the blood, the heel, the heel prick, heel prick.
1: Completely, and I remember um, parents who'd had their babies, you know, say normally, but you know, normally, who were saying, "Isn't the heel prick t- test bad?" And being like, "No, like." <laughs> that's, she has five that's, of them a day exactly it's absolutely nothing so just thinking about what a, a baby should be going through it's really hard isn't it yeah. yeah yeah and i
2: think i struggled with how it would affect her going yeah. forward mm. i often thought about that and every time they said to me she won't remember any of it i thought oh, you don't know that but you yeah. don't know what it's gonna do to her and what she's gonna and like at the moment she hates her feet being touched and i'm convinced it's because the amount of times they were grabbed and pricked with a little heel yeah. prick mm. but yeah so it was a really hard day um but luckily she didn't have meningitis which was the silver lining yeah that's really good and she didn't have neck
1: no either. no she
2: didn't have neck either um <laughs> there was she'd had her vaccinations and so and then i found some blood in her stool um and then she was actually starving because she was late for a feed. And then they touched her belly and she cried. And so it was precautionary definitely, but we was, they told us the day before that we could come home two days later. Um, and then all of a sudden it was, she potentially has neck. We might have to go to London. This was in the middle. This was literally in the middle of lockdown as well. So I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna have to go on my own. Mm. Um, yeah, so that was pretty crazy, but no, she didn't have neck, thank goodness. It was, it was all all right yeah so that was kind of everything that she went through bless her yeah um which and this i struggle with as well i don't know how your journeys were but when i write it all down it sounds quite bad but i know people have had such worse journeys especially with like a 25 weeker and the stuff i looked up online and so i feel a bit guilty and my husband thinks i'm crazy but i feel guilty that she had an okay ride And I feel lucky that there was no ROP here in touch with his spine. Um, But yeah, he thinks I'm crazy for that.
1: I don't think you're crazy. I think you're normal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that there's, you know, every single one of us, you can compare yourself to others like we talked about earlier. And there's always going to be someone worse than you, Mm -hmm. isn't there? Like, you know, even me hearing your story, there's a part of me that goes, okay, but I have my baby at 31 weeks and they were trying to keep your baby in until that point, <laughs> you yeah. know? And um, so it automatically, you know, I can have that thought in my head that goes, you've had it so much worse than me. But that doesn't mean that what I went through wasn't hard. Yeah. You went through something that was hard and that was hard for you. Yeah, Someone else went through something that was harder. You know, it's, it, 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 it's all about how we cope with it, isn't it? Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah, but yeah. And, and it's all hard, isn't it? Like you yeah. know, just having your baby in hospital anyway, having them in that environment, having your baby early—they're all really hard. Things. Yeah. Go on. No, I was going to say uh, you deserve to feel however you want to feel about that.
2: Yeah. So I spoke to a friend of my sister's, um who she messaged me and said, oh, "I can't imagine what you've been through." um I was only in Niku for four days. Um, he was term. Um, but there was just some problems. She said, I can't imagine what you've been through. It was hard enough for me. She says, I feel guilty for even saying that. And I said to her, like, I think it's even harder to a certain degree because you don't get used to it. So we got used to our routine. We got, re- we got used to our nurses. we become friends with people. Whereas I would say day four, I was just in absolute shock um, to see all the wires, to hear all the noises, um, to see what other people are going through as well. Mm. um so yeah so like you say like everyone's feelings are valid whether it's a four day stint or for mm. 40 days yeah
0: it definitely. takes a few weeks to settle in I think Well oh, I found yeah. that anyway before you actually get to the point where I mean you never it's never comfortable is it but no. it's you do get to the point
2: where it does become normal mm. for, for, yeah. that, for that period of time yeah, yeah definitely and I think we got comfortable to a certain degree and then we moved back to our local hospital that's hard and that transition was really hard really tough um there was kind of a lot of differences as well we went from a level 3 to a level 2 um mm. we'd been told it was going to be different and we had to kind of find our feet again and let them do what they do and do their procedures their way but that was so hard um mm. and in the end and i think it was also really hard because that's when covid hit lockdown hit so not only had have our safety rug of the hospital, we'd been out with all the doctors and nurses we got used to. We then had lockdown with all these new faces that we didn't know, who didn't really know Phoenix. So yeah, that was tough. Hard.
1: Yeah.
2: What were the main differences? There was a lot, a hell of a lot. Just the way they did things was really different. Um, William Harvey and Kent are very much to do with the developmental side. Um, so covers over the incubators as much as possible for noises um turning them as often as possible um they encouraged me reading to her singing to her all the time and then where our local hospital was just completely different it was very noisy um there wasn't there wasn't any covers over the incubators we actually just raised money and got them incubator covers because i'm so like the way william harvey done it, it was the way i think it should be done after looking yeah. up online, sounds it's similar to search. where we
1: were
2: yeah yeah So there was, there's so many differences.
1: It's crazy how different all of the different hospitals are. Mm. We briefly
0: spoke about it in the first episode, I think.
1: We did. About um,
0: how different just our two were. And then when you throw in like, you had experience of two two completely different ones and we were in neither of those. And it's just how different can
2: they be? Yeah. Mine was a a level three as well, but that was my local hospital where I was meant to give birth, which is just lucky. Yeah. And you know what? That's what we've had that conversation so many times where I said to Connor, like, it's not something you ever think about, but actually if I knew, if I was to get pregnant again, I think I would, I don't know how you do it, but I would want to be at near a level three because I felt for Phoenix that she, after having that level three care, which I don't know how other people feel about it, but I think we're superior. Um, To then go to a level two, I almost felt hard done by for her.
1: I felt like, why
2: couldn't her whole journey be a level three and be what she was used to? Um, So, yeah. But that's it's difficult, isn't it? Because not everywhere can be a level three. and Not every baby needs a level three. Mm -hmm. But when you've seen it and then it changes and is very different, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I even found it hard moving
2: down through the stages in our level three let alone moving to a different hospital completely. Yeah, it's nice. We it were the same, actually. We went from ITU to HDU. Yeah. And then three days later, that's when we moved to our local hospital. So we were like, oh, it's so different in HDU and all the nurses are different. And blah, blah, blah. Like, we struggled with that tiny little movement down the hall. And then we had to move to our local hospital, which was yeah. massive.
1: Mm.
2: So it was a lot to happen. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But so I think yeah when even when you move rooms
0: it's like even when you move from like ITU to HD it's like it's almost it's not as bad but it's like those first few days again getting used to everything that's happening yeah. and yeah to have
2: that and then a move yeah well wow. and we find HDU too quiet which you never think you would say after being wheeled into ITU that first day but all of a sudden there was no not hardly any beeps and it just was really bizarre yeah I used to go home here in beeps, did you? Yeah, in my <laughs> sleep. Oh, no. I used to have this recurring dream as well where I was like working her oxygen. So I would wake up and be like, oh, I fell asleep and I needed to keep her breathing. Oh, and no. I had that every night for so long. Oh,
1: wow.
2: You were talking earlier
0: about the knitted boob and someone just sort of mm-hmm. talking to you. I had a bit of a similar situation where we'd been for the scan and then we were in... I think I said in the when I was telling the story, we were in the room waiting for basically my food to go down so they could take me to theatre. And um the lady the lady from NICU came and was holding like yeah, a crochet boob basically. But I was the same as you, I just remember looking blankly and then afterwards trying to remember, okay, what did what did she say to do? Like make a C on your boob, like push but don't squeeze, I don't know.
2: It's so bizarre, isn't it? I remember the first, so literally the first day, got back, they gave us these tiny syringes, and I was, like you say, doing exactly that. Try. They said, told me, don't milk yourself like a cow. And I was thinking, I don't yeah. even know how to milk a cow, so I don't know if I'm milking myself <laughs> like a cow. Um, and then I remember I was like, I can't do it on my own. So Connor's holding the syringe, and it was like coming everywhere and like it hardly comes out at all does it so when no. you get a tiny drop you're like oh, get it and connor's literally i remember thinking he looks like spider-man because he's like darting around trying to get this <laughs> it was just absolutely bizarre i but, think greg yeah. sucked
0: my nipple into the syringe at one point
2: <laughs> <laughs> literally if you've got any like um insecurities they just go out the window then don't they oh and your 100% partner sees you in the craziest ways. Yeah, so I really struggled with pumping. I'm sure everyone does, but the whole lack of sleep um, is just a killer. So that getting up at three o'clock in the morning, um, going to pump. And I remember I would be desperate to go and check on her, but Mm. I couldn't go and check on her until I pumped because I knew that if I checked on her and she was poorly or something was going on, I knew that nothing would come out because Mm. stress affected me massively. So I would go in and I would pump for half hour, like holding my breath almost with that horrible anxious feeling yeah. and then finally go see her and check she was okay. Um, but yeah, I tried everything to get my milk supply up. Um, I did feed her purely on my milk for six weeks, um, but that was because she was poorly. So she was having tiny amounts for a long, long time. Mm. Um but they said about donor milk, which I said is absolutely fine if we need it. Like, Luckily, we never needed it. By the time she was having more, she was ready to go on to formula. Um, but yeah, I tried everything they suggested. I pumped more than they said I should. And I cluster pumped and I drank loads of water. And But my milk supply actually never increased to a point where she would have been fully fed by me. Um, so she did go onto formula. And it was such a hard decision because all they keep telling you is that breast milk is best for premature babies not only all babies but premature babies and and it was never about not wanting to give her formula because i've got any qualms about that it was just that they kept saying her her tummy is so immature
1: she's gonna struggle yeah. yeah
2: exactly so it was so tough i remember the day they said we're gonna have to start formula like your milk is running out And, um, I was absolutely devastated and I kept thinking, surely my milk was going to come in soon. Like I'm doing everything right. And, but it never did. Um, but I did carry on pumping and I gave her everything I could. And then I finally stopped when she was three months corrected Mm. and it was so hard, I was so sad about that because I really wanted that breastfeeding experience, like the normal breastfeeding experience with her. Um, but also for my own sanity it was Mm. the right thing to do definitely
1: yeah yeah and that's a really long time to be pumping Mm. for isn't it and especially not
0: getting much as well
1: yeah 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 because that that brings
0: stress in itself
2: yeah Mm. yeah and it's horrible it's horrible as well it is and they used to say to me don't watch them like put socks over them yeah but you do you just want to check because sometimes I'm I'm sure everyone's the same but you have to like move it around a bit and sometimes I have to like do compressions and stuff so I have to Mm. watch it to know when I needed to change it up a bit and Mm. yeah it was so tough I would say that pumping obviously your baby being poorly is hard Mm. but I would say that pumping was the hardest thing for me alongside everything else and the lack of sleep and everything yeah
0: definitely yeah Yeah, because and then we were talking about wearing like what not to say to mums when their baby's in NICU about like oh you think you're not getting sleep now <laughs> like maybe mm-hmm. the baby comes home but it's totally different it is waking it is up because, to an alarm yeah. to do something that is horrible and unnatural anyway mm. knowing that you're yeah. like when you're not
2: with your baby you're not doing the normal stuff yeah yeah absolutely it's totally different and then I thought oh when she comes home pumping will be much easier because she'll be here and I'll be relaxed and settled but actually what happened was that I was getting up feeding her burping her holding her up for half hour because she's got reflux and then I was pumping and then I was washing up my shield so literally the whole thing used to take like two hours Mm. and then she could be up again in three hours time and it would go through again so it it didn't get easier for me but then I was still pumping every two to three hours because my if i didn't my milk supply just dropped dramatically, and I was already had a low milk supply mm. so it was pretty tough, yeah, but so I actually the- only got rid of my pump the other day, so I haven't pumped in about a month every now and again, I still go, oh, I need to pump and then realize that I haven't done it in ages, mm. but I still couldn't let go of my pump for some reason, so I kept it for another month after I stopped pumping it's weird isn't it
1: when you when you think about it now. What what kind of advice would you give to mums who are needing to exclusively
2: pump? Um, I would say just know what you're doing is amazing and you are doing your best. As long as you're doing what they tell you um, and trying, then that is enough, even if you don't get enough milk. Mm. Um, Yeah, it's so tough because you don't believe it when you go through it. And anyone can say anything and you just think, why is my body letting me down again? But
0: you are doing your best
2: yeah and you feel like you're failing them again even though
0: you haven't failed them once
2: (laughs) yeah and you know what I didn't struggle so much with the premature thing I didn't beat myself up or think oh if I'd have done this differently but I did with the milk supply thing Mm -hmm. I just was like oh like how can this be happening like give me a break I remember thinking that so often Mm. when it comes to pumping I used to find it really
0: hard if you if you're in you're in NICU. Well, you're still in NICU, and there's some people that, like oh. I, like you, I would pump religiously, and I was doing everything. I was cluster pumping. I was setting alarms. I didn't miss it. Didn't miss a pump. And you'd have the person next to you, who pumps twice a day and gets 150 a time. Yeah, and you're like, how is that fair?
2: Yeah, how is but that fair? I literally, I sat next to someone who's absolutely lovely, and she, I think she had a 29 weeker, and it was she would feel like five bottles yeah and I do you know when you're like side eyeing them and you're like I hate you I'm sorry but I hate you and she was so lovely we got on really well we still talk now but I hated her in that moment Mm. because that was all I wanted
0: I had the same situation and then and and like I really like her like you I still speak to her and I've got no I'm not jealous of her but I was just envious of the situation I think and um, then her baby then latched and Margot never did and I'd pumped for this like religiously for this six weeks and she would barely pumped at all her baby went straight on latched breastfeeding fine margot never
2: did
1: just feel so think... <laughs> well,
2: yeah exactly
1: and it's such like a like an instinctive thing that you want to feed your baby isn't it like mm-hmm. i don't know if you can describe it like before having arlo i was a bit like yeah, I'll, I'll breastfeed if I, if I can kind of thing. Like I wasn't massively attached to the idea of it. But then when you have them there in front of you, you've just got this like, I need to feed you yeah. urge. Um, and especially when I think we've all had times when they had to reduce the amounts of food that they were on and yeah. on TPN and um, all that kind of yeah. thing instead. And you just get this overwhelming like, I, I need to feed you kind of urge. Yeah.
2: So when it's not happening um that's just it's so hard yeah it's so frustrating and and all the doctors and nurses are saying are you still pumping Are you still and like part of you think do they believe that i'm religiously doing it and getting up at yeah. three o'clock and but i did <laughs> i did everything i could yeah as far as i'm aware mm. yeah. that's the thing
0: though i think that's that's another bit of advice isn't it just do everything you can and then you can't yeah then once you're once you do make that decision at least you're comfortable that you did do everything you can yeah and yeah, everything exactly. you can well,
2: might be not doing it because if yeah, you feel exactly. like you can't do it, don't do it. Yeah. And that's it. There were so many times where I thought I was going to quit. And I just remember reading stuff online saying, don't quit on a bad day. And so every time I thought that to myself and I thought tomorrow I'll wake up with a fresh head and I've decided if I want to quit then. Mm. And I didn't for that time. But if, if you do, then I, I don't kind of blame you at all. It is the hardest thing.
1: And, and more more generally I guess when you're thinking about your whole journey and how early you had phoenix and with all of you know the different hospital stays and all those kinds of things everything that you went through how she is now all that kind of stuff what what would you say to a nikki mum if
2: they were in a similar kind of situation to you so, I get quite a lot of messages, I'm sure you too do as well, but I hashtag 25weeker and microprem quite a lot because I spent so much time when I was pumping, looking at Instagram, trying to find that like hope, seeing children that have left the NICU and are doing well. Um, so, I get messages all the time from people, and I always just say to them, like, it's not forever. And it doesn't feel like that when you're in there. It feels like every day is so long and so much happens and you have a good day and then you have so many bad days. But I just say to them, it's not forever. And when you finally get your baby home, like that first morning is Mm. just magical. Mm. So just hold on to that because it will happen.
1: Yeah. And so was that helpful for you? So if someone was saying those kind of things to you about you know future thinking I know like Georgie's talked about the fact that she found that hard like thinking
2: about the future and having reassurance and stuff but for you that was that was helpful yeah that was the only thing that got me through and I know like some people do it day by day mine was always looking at the future and thinking about her first Christmas and thinking about the day that we got to go home and my mum got to hold her and just things like that that's what kept me going yeah It's just really interesting,
1: isn't it? Because like I know that we were talking before about um, sometimes that reassurance is really hard because you don't know what's going to happen. But at the same time, having that hope is really important, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it was for me. I think I had to think positive. I think I just would have not been able to carry on and not get out of bed in the morning and you have to. So yeah. that's what helped me. But then I think that's what's great about this and about all of the different people you're speaking to mm. is that everyone is different. So hopefully then people that message me are also messaging you guys or other people mm. and someone's advice will resonate with them and yeah. will give them what they need to get through it.
0: Yeah, I think that's what we're trying to do like with the different posts as well and getting people to respond to the posts is get all the different viewpoints because like you say everyone's going to handle it so differently for me yeah. people saying oh she'll be home in no time what are you going to do for your first christmas i'd have been like oh no can't think about that what have you said yeah. she's going to die now whereas for you that was hope yeah, yeah
1: so different mm. yeah
2: no definitely
1: exactly you can hear her in the background <laughs> is that margot no <laughs> I think no it's my me. child <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Literally, I've got Margo all the charges. awake in the night. Yeah, well, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. So I was like, "What? Marco's awake? He's asleep now. My child's not even gone to sleep yet." <laughs>
1: So Tori it's been lovely to have you and we can hear Phoenix in the <laughs> background saying <Sorry. laughs> we want you back so <laughs> we will let you go but it's been so so nice to talk to you and to actually speak to you in real life it's been really really lovely so thank you for coming on and talking to us.
0: Yeah, thank we you for recording these on Zoom so we can actually see Tori which
2: is nice. Yes. <laughs> it's nice to meet you both as well. Yeah you too
0: hopefully in real life one day yeah
2: one day when it goes back to some sort of normal Yes. yeah
0: thank you for joining us for the episode four of the miracle moon podcast and thank you tori for joining us and talking so honestly and openly about your journey as a family we hope to see you again for the next episode in the meantime you can find us on instagram at miracle moon uk on facebook miracle moon uk or on our website where we've got various blog posts and Nikki stories from other families at www.miraclemoon.co.uk